Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back. Episode 2 of Believe in Tennessee Football. Today, I'm going to break down the South Carolina game. Get a little more in-depth. Give you a football player's perspective. What plays look good for us. What work best for us. What plays we should be running. We're also going to look into next week versus Georgia. And uh, celebrate over Cade Mays finally being a part of the offensive line. Let's get this thing started. So this first part of the podcast is going to be a little outdated. I am just hearing the news about Cade Mays being free. So I wanted to go ahead and get my immediate reaction on here. So excited for that. Cade is a guy you don't want to see in a dark alley. He plays football ticked off all the time. Back in high school, he actually played with my little brother And you always see those get-back coaches on the sidelines holding the head coach back as he's yelling at the ref. My little brother, part of his job on the field was to be the get-back guy for Cade because Cade played with such a chip on his shoulder. He got after it so hard. A lot of the times, refs wanted to call personal fouls on him because he's just beating up on kids. It's not even necessarily it's after the whistle. He's just that much more dominant out there on the field. I think that... And his knowledge of the game is going to be huge this week versus Missouri. He's going to help out the tackles playing next to him. Because I know there's been a few that have rotated in. But his experience and when you're playing next to somebody who knows what they're doing, it gives you more confidence. It's really important the person who plays next to you. If they can, you know, see the defense well, let you know maybe a blitz is coming – Um, give you some certain calls to squeeze, also be able to pass off games, work together well in a double team. It's all huge stuff, huge addition with Cade Mays. Thank you, SEC, for not dragging your feet any longer and actually coming to a decision, a smart one at that. And I can't wait to see what he does Versus Missouri, I think it's going to be a huge game for him. And then, the week after, it's a nice little revenge game. So, excited for that, too. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, So, in this week's episode, um, like I said before, I'm going to talk more about uh, plays that I saw, different things in the game that I enjoyed in in, a football player's perspective. I got some feedback from uh, family and friends for the first episode, and let me know that I should relax a little bit, um, shoot from the hip, uh, as you would say, and not be so stiff. Um, I guess with my first podcast, it was kind of uh, daunting, I would say. Um, Didn't quite know uh, what I should do. Uh, I'm also editing the entire podcast myself, so... Uh, trying to figure that whole thing out, it was, uh, you know, like I said, daunting. So today, I'm going to try and be a little more natural 
and uh, enjoy it as I talk. Um, so first point, I think Coach Cheney's listening to old Believe in Tennessee football podcasts because that boy started running the ball, and I love to see it. And I know I say that I love to see it a lot, but I'm not good with adjectives, so you got to give me a break, okay? I thoroughly enjoy the running game. Last week I told you they ran nine times in the first half, 18 in the second half. This week they ran 25 times in the first half and 20 times in the second half. I mean, that's a completely different game plan. And I don't think it's because you're playing a different team. I don't think it's because of Missouri. I, I mean, it's what you need to do. It's what needs to be your identity. Uh, as a football team moving forward. And, you know, Missouri kind of showed who they were. You know, last week I said we didn't know if it was Missouri being bad or Alabama being good. Um, Missouri, Missouri's not great. They're just a, not a very good team. I will say, though, they look like they figured out their offense halfway through our game. They, I mean, they that quarterback that got Bezalik, however you say his last name, uh, he, he's going to be good. Now, we had MAs on defense, so that was, you know, probably why he was doing well. I mean, even Coach Pruitt said that at halftime. But um, I think Missouri, they're not going to be great. They're not going to be, you know, top half of the SEC. Uh, but I think they'll compete with, you know, the Mississippi States and the Arkansas of the league. Um, so back to the offense. The uh, offensive line – there were four different rotations on the right side of the offensive line. I had uh, my old buddy Josh Ward over at the Sports Animal ask uh, Coach Pruitt to see wh- why that was, why he was doing that. He said uh, he was working on you know the shape. People weren't quite in shape, football shape, like he wants, and also wanted to keep competition fresh. So... I understand the shape thing, possibly. I mean, Wanya Morris has a you know better complaint for being out of shape. I mean, the guy had two different quarantine times. Like, two different times he had to go into quarantine and miss practice and miss workouts. And, I mean, that can really be detrimental to, you, you know, your growth as a player and your, and your cardio. Uh, but the other guys I feel like should be there by now. Uh, just through practice, uh, through the first game. The best way to get in game shape, though, honestly, is to play a game. And I think we saw for sure that Cade is going to play. Whether he be at tackle or guard, I'm not sure. In my opinion, he is a better guard than he is a tackle. But the real question is who is better between Darnell Wright and Jerome Carvin, and Javante Spragans. Because those are the other three guys that are getting playing time over there on the right side. And it's hard to determine, oh, is, you know, Javante's a better guard than Darnell is a tackle. Because if that's the case, then you'll put Kate at tackle. But if Darnell is a better tackle than Javante's is a guard, then you put Kate at guard. It, it's a very weird spot to be in. Um, you know, I think they'll figure it out. I do think that, uh, Javantes is better than Jerome Carver though, right now. Um, just some of his backside blocks, uh, 
uh, were a lot better. Jerome's was kind of getting beat across the face, and it made it really tough because the one thing you want in the run game is to split the defense. So everybody talks about having the huge hole. The hole is created by cutting off the backside. It's not all, you know, the front side blocks. They're they're getting movement. Yes, that's great. But that hole is created by cutting off the backside, not letting all of the backside defenders flow towards the run. So if you're able to cut that off, that's what creates a huge hole. So backside offensive line play is huge. Like I mentioned last week with those four techniques, four eye techniques, and I said they were kind of inside shoulder of the tackle. It's a really big deal for the tackle to cut them off. When Cade was in at tackle, he was cutting them off every time. I mean, he had three or four cut blocks that were so pretty uh, and made huge holes for the run game. But, you know, if, you're, if your backside guard can't cut off a nose, it's, it's not good. You, you know, that's going to be tough. I think the running backs made some good cuts and good reads and were able to get out of those situations uh, where, you know, maybe the blocks weren't completed uh, like they should have been. But those obviously need to get better. There was also talk about some pressure um, that was given up. You know, Garantano being under pressure. I counted up the plays. He had five plays under pressure. And uh, there were two sacks. One of the sacks, he wasn't even under pressure. Uh, he just decided to escape the pocket and got tackled from behind. And that's not an offensive lineman's fault. Um, also, five of those pressures, two of them were from tight end or running back blocks. Those guys aren't used to blocking defensive ends. That's going to be tough for them. So, you know, when you put them into protection and they – a slide protection and they're the ones on the edge and they're trying to block a defensive end. It, it doesn't always work out well. Uh, so overall, I think the O-line played great. Um, you know, there's always something to find uh, to, you know, see what you can improve on. So by no means do I say they played a perfect game. Um, I do think they need to work on their communication a little bit more, but I saw some stuff I really liked, like Wanya Morris pointing to a blitzing nickel. Literally just, hey, running back, this guy's coming. You need to block him. I mean, that that helps a lot. Sometimes the running backs can't see them. Sometimes running backs are shorter than you, and your big old butt standing up there, they can't see over you. Uh, so it helps. I mean, I remember uh, playing, we had a five-man protection I saw the blitz. I saw a safety over top of a nickel and could tell that he was going to come on the blitz. I turned around to Dobbs and was just like, hey, it's coming over here. It's coming over here. Like, switch the protection. And he switched it over and we picked it up. You know, it's part of the job as a tackle, honestly, because you can see better than everyone else out there. You, you know, your hand's not in the dirt all the time. So it's very important just to be able to um, communicate with everybody. Uh, now, everything else, uh, third down efficiency, awesome. Six for 13. We were one for 12 last week. So huge improvement. And then even when we didn't get it, Coach Pruitt was like, screw it. We're going for it on fourth down too. We were four for four with a touchdown. Uh which is kind of unheard of. I love it. I love the um, 
gusto, as someone would say. Uh, and the fact that every single one was a quarterback sneak, and they were like, hey, you know it's coming. It's going to be a quarterback sneak. So good luck stopping it with this O-line. Just right down their face. Uh, so I loved that. And, and if you'll notice in the, in the first quarter, we ran a jet sweep on a third and one. And they talked about it later in the broadcast about how we ran a jet sweep and, and so did Missouri. And it's like part of offenses. That jet sweep in and of itself proved that we can run another play on a short one yard down. So if we have a third and one, a fourth and one, we can run that jet sweep, which is perfect because now the defense thinks, oh, is it a quarterback sneak or is it a jet sweep? I have no idea. It makes it so much more dangerous. And I'm pretty sure, don't exactly quote me on this, but I, I remember correctly, each of the quarterback sneaks on fourth down were in different formations. And that's just Coach Chaney for you right there. You have to prepare for all those formations and as a defensive coordinator say, okay, what else can he run out of this formation? <laughs> Which is just so funny. I, I mean, it's literally like keeping the guy up at night thinking about what he has to prepare for versus Coach Chaney. I love it. Every defensive coordinator in the SEC knows him well. He's been here for a while and they hate going up against him. They have to. They have to. Uh, also noticed, um, you know, Garantano played a bit better. I think it is a good idea uh, for him. And I think Coach Chaney kind of convinced him of this is like, hey, when you don't have something, just commit and go uh, and take off running. Sometimes I wish you would look downfield, but honestly, I, I'd rather him just run, take off and go than, you know, make a silly throw, um, a mental error, and try and fit it somewhere where it can't. So, I like the idea that it's, hey, if nothing's open, just just go. Just run. Um, but you kind of notice now how great Callaway and Jennings were last year and, the, you know, the years prior because he tried to throw some of those jump balls up and you cannot tell me Callaway wouldn't have come down with us. The one in the first quarter, the DB literally – I mean, he made a great play. It was almost like a – Odell Beckham reached back, blocked it out of uh, our receiver's hands. It, Callaway's coming down with that, 100%. Um, so, you know, last year, Garantana could commit to those 50-50 balls because it wasn't 50-50. It was more like 80-20 for us. Uh, you know, now it's a little different. But he does throw a good deep ball. I will give him that. Uh, he, he puts in a good spot. What's great about those deep balls – and those patterns, and you can ask any wide receiver this, they'll put um, either like a red line, blue line, something like that in the practice field that a receiver needs to run down when he's running his go routes. Um, it's r right outside the numbers, so it's probably about 10 yards from the sideline. A wide receiver will run down that so that there's room between him and the sideline. The quarterback will throw the ball in between that spot. So he moves towards the sideline as he's tracing the ball and can catch it. Um, this just helps with separation from the DB because it is so much harder if it's over his shoulder and comes to the back side for that DB to even make a play. So 
if you see a wide receiver running a go route and they are on the sideline, like on the sideline, they're not in the right spot. That is not where they're supposed to be. There's no room for the quarterback to fit the ball in. It makes it very easy for the corner to make a play and be able to pick it off. So, in the future, you guys can look for that and uh, see the difference when it comes to that. Uh, so, uh, like I said earlier, running the ball was amazing. Uh, we were uh, average of six yards a carry in the first half and an average of 4.1 yards a carry in the second half. Um, I said last week, you know, you're aiming for four just because if you do the math, you run it three times for four yards each time, you get a first down. So that's the aiming point. Um, and it, they did amazing. I I think it's it has to be this way. There has to be the running game to set up the pass. There's no other way to do it. Uh, you just you don't have the Tom Brady's or the Peyton Manning's in our backfield that can just take over a game, go five wide, and uh, just be able to spit it wherever they want. So we got to have that running game. And overall, offense did great. I you know. Scored in the 30s, um, was consistent in what we came to do. So, really enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week because uh, versus Georgia is going to be an actual test. And I love the fact that we got to uh, the CBS game. Uh, CBS 330 is – it's the best time to play football on Saturdays. Everything about it, the amount of time you get in the morning to – Wake up, get refreshed, have your breakfast, have your pregame meal, get your mind right into that situation. The weather and, and what you're playing in, it, it's the best part of the day, especially once it gets into October. It's like warm, but there's a little wind and it's so nice. It's the most exciting. All the fans love that time frame because it gives them enough time to drink in the mornings. Uh, and they don't feel uh, like degenerates because they're drinking at 9 a.m. for a 12 o'clock kickoff. And you get done at a normal hour and you're able to eat dinner with your family afterwards and enjoy the day. When you have those night games, it gets to 11 p.m. when you actually get out and you're able to see your family. And then it's like, okay, I got to go to bed. Like, I, like, I'm worn out. I'll see you guys later. Uh, so it's the perfect time. I love the 3.30 kickoff. Super excited for that. And I'll get into more of the Georgia breakdown later. But um, let's talk about the defense, uh, defensive side of the ball now. The biggest thing on defense is to keep contained. I, I know I said it last week, and you know I might sound like a broken record, but when it happens, when you're able to capture the edge – and whoever's running the ball has to cut back inside. It makes it very difficult. You have to cut back inside towards all of your other teammates. If one guy makes someone go inside, now there's 10 other dudes who can come and make the tackle. That's what you want. And there were some times where our defensive ends were just getting reached. Like you're just letting the tackle reach you. I, that's lovely for me as a tackle that the fact that I could reach you, it's the most difficult thing to reach a defensive end because they're faster than you already out the gate. They're more athletic than you. 
and you have to the and they're on the outside of you so you have to get to the outside of them like that's a very difficult thing to do and the fact that tackles were doing that with ease versus us is not good that is not what you want uh so capturing the edge we, we have to set the edge we cannot let people get outside um and like i said earlier the jet sweep they were talking about george jr made a wonderful play on that now it's one play out of the game but to just keep going keep running fight to the edge make him cut back inside it's a you know play for no yards i mean it it could have been a horror like if he doesn't capture the edge, if he doesn't get to the outside and the ball catches the sideline, you, who knows? That's a 10, 15-yard gain. That's a huge difference. Now, I, I wish I could talk more about the DBs and, and the defensive backfield and let you guys understand what I see, but I, I'm not a DB. I, I never, I, I play defense in, in college. I'm no expert there. I can't really give you, uh, you know, what's going right, what's going wrong. Um, I know Coach Pruitt said there was some mental errors in the back end, and maybe that was one of the reasons. Um, but, I mean, it definitely has to get better, as you see. Uh, it's also very hard to break it down from the television copy because you literally cannot see what they're doing. Um, it focuses on the quarterback every play, so I can't tell what's going on in the back end. Um, you know, if people are – you know, flipping their hips or stuff like that. But one thing that I always like to do a comparison is is uh, corners are a lot like offensive linemen where you have to go backwards as a man is running towards you and try and defend him. Corners aren't – they don't want to let the wide receiver get by them. They have to run backwards first, maybe flip their hips. Eventually, you can't get too turned because if they turn your hips and then go the other way, you can't recover. It's the same thing for offensive linemen where you're setting back in your pass protection. If, you know, that defensive end gives a little head fake, a little juke, and you turn your hips thinking, you know, maybe he's going outside and he spins back in or cuts back in, you can't recover because your hips are turned. So very similar, um, I feel for them. I mean, it's tough. I, you know, they're obviously as athletic as wide receivers, but going against guys that are a lot more athletic than us is uh, it's a little daunting for sure. Uh, but I always feel for them as uh, as DBs. But uh, and I said this last week about Alante Taylor; he's turning into my favorite player. And I I know he got beat once um, on man coverage, which can happen. Uh, you know, he's coming into his own, but the interception, if you watch that interception, his want to on someone else's shine, that is that guy's interception. It's not Alante's has nothing to do with Alante. It's his interception, but he wants to make sure he scores because that's what kind of teammate he is. He is going, he's trying to block his butt off for him, which is like, it makes it to where I want Alante to get, I want him to get the shine because the effort that he puts in for that, it, you, that's something that goes unseen that, you know, you don't see in the stats. It's not in the box score, but it's something that's so important uh, for team dynamics, uh, for camaraderie, for them to be all apart. And it's so important 
for him to act as a bell cow. You follow me. I, I will lead the way. This is how we play football. This is the amount of effort that we put into it. Um, it doesn't matter if it's you making a sack or making a tackle or getting the interception or the fumble or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's us. It's the team. It's the defense, which is exactly what you want out of a player. Also, on that play, uh, Kevon Bennett was the one who put pressure onto the quarterback and made the interception. I want to see him play more. From what I saw, he played more in the second half. Him and DeAndre Johnson played more in the second half. I think it was because we had the lead. But both of them are really good pass rushers. They can give the offensive linemen some problems, especially if they're one-on-one with them. Some of the moves that they did, because all I do is watch the line of scrimmage when I'm watching football. I'm just, it's what I'm used to. It's how I watched film. So that's all I'm looking at. What they did to some of those offensive linemen made them look silly. And that's what I want to see. I want to see them more on the third and longs that we might get into. Draw it up too to where they're going against guards or centers. You know, make it confusing for the offensive line. As a tackle, you go against the defensive ends and practice you against defensive ends all day in the game. You're more used to the speed. You're more used to the time, the distance, all that kind of stuff. As a guard and center, you're used to going against 300-plus-pound defensive tackles. Big, strong guys who are going to try and bull rush or push-pull you. Not quick dudes. Not quick dudes who are going to swim, swat your hands, do spin moves. The interior guys aren't used to that. So if we can get more of you know our defensive ends, our, our elite pass rushers on the interior, it's even better. That's what I want to see because it really does take advantage of that. I mean, it really takes advantage of the offensive line trying to switch off stuff and the inexperience of the interior offensive line versus a quicker defensive lineman. I know this. I would rather go against Dan McCullers in one-on-one than I would Derek Barnett because I know exactly what Dan McCullers is going to do. He's a big boy, and he's going to bull rush. Derek Barnett, I have no idea what he might do. Um, And he is definitely the most skillful guy I've ever gone up against in one-on-one pass pro. There's literally a time in practice doing pass protection one-on-one where I punched and missed him because he leaned away from me while still running towards the quarterback. If you were in front of me, I could explain it a little bit better. But he ran around the edge and also leaned his body away from me, his upper body away from me, so bent at his hips, leaned away from me to where when I punched, I hit air. I missed him. I didn't touch him because he was leaning away and was still able to keep his feet going around the edge and get to the little dummy quarterback we had. I I was like, I put my hands up like, what do you want me to do with that? Like, I don't know how to defend that. It was insane. I couldn't believe that I didn't touch him. It didn't make any sense to me. And I'm so glad to see him now just balling out on Sunday night football exactly what he should be doing because he's freaking amazing. He works his butt off, constant professional, 
and even in college, he was one of those guys who's like, eh, I don't really want to party. I'd rather just, you know, hang out by myself, maybe play some video games, you know, get a good night's sleep, didn't drink a lot. So it's like, it's exactly what you want. And when he gets out in the field, switch turns on and he's ready to go. I mean, he made Trent Williams look average. And that guy's like a 13 year NFL vet at tackle. Um, so it's started to talk about the NFL, but I just thought I should point that out with Derek Barnett. Uh, all right. So now we'll get into, uh, Georgia next week and, uh, what we can see from them, uh, what kind of stuff that we can do that'll really help and kind of break down Georgia versus Auburn. So to start off with, Auburn is not quite as good of a team as everyone thinks. Uh, I think they're flawed on offense by trying to go through Bo Nix so much. Uh, looking into the stats, their starting running back only had eight rushes, while Bo Nix had 11. The guy is athletic, yes, but he's not a running back. He doesn't have the vision of a running back. And they stopped using their running backs. I mean, they tried to use Bo Nix on all their rushing attempts, which is dumb. And then they had uh, run pass options, and Bo would never give it. He would always throw it. And if you don't have a consistent running game, your your offense is going to struggle. It's going to be bad. And I think them relying on Bo Nix so much makes Georgia's defense look amazing. It's really not that good. I think this is a facade uh, of a defense. Uh, I mean, Arkansas looked into theirs. Their two running backs combined had 17 rushes uh, that first week when Georgia played them. So a team hasn't committed to the run like we do against them yet. So I don't think they're ready for that. Now, one thing they do well defensively is on third down with their blitzes, who's coming, they can confuse an offensive line. Now, Auburn's offensive line is nowhere near as talented as ours. Nowhere near as smart as ours. Uh, some of those guys look like chickens with their head cut off out there. I, they had no idea what was going on. The best, the one thing that we're going to have to do that's really important is identifying the defensive players. So what they like to do on third down is bring in a lot of DN slash linebackers to rush the passer to where as an offensive lineman, you have to determine, okay, who are the five guys that we're going to block? Uh, is this guy a rusher? Is, is he going to drop back into coverage? And when they bring in guys with numbers like seven, 15, uh, you know, single numbers like a five, it, it gets very confusing. You're you're wondering if they're actually going to rush or, rush or not. So determining that is going to be huge, and, and that's just scouting. Okay, what does this guy do? You know, they bring in, you know, this person on every third and long because he's a rush guy. So you just, got, you just have to know that going into the game. Um, so I think if we're able to determine that on the O-line, which I think we will, we got smart guys who have some ex experience, who know what's going on, who can see the field. And also, we're going to do a little bit of pausing and watching what the defense gives us. And you saw some of that versus Missouri, 
where we just go up to the line, clap, don't snap it, and we see what the defense is doing and then call the play. We're going to do that again because uh, they do like to shift their front on defense. And that's just used to confuse offensive line, not let them know exactly who they're supposed to be blocking. And if, if we're able to slow down, get them to shift before we run a play, we'll know what we need to do. And we're going to commit to the run again, which is exactly what we need to do. Both our offense and Georgia's offense is very similar. Run the ball and then throw off play action, throw when you might need to. The same, there are Both of our defenses are going to do the same thing. Try and get the ball in our quarterback's hands as much as possible. Georgia wants third and long. They want Garantano to be the one to beat them. They don't think he can do it, um, which makes sense a little bit. Uh, and I think the same thing about Bennett, their quarterback. He might have played an okay game, but when you have 130 yards rushing in the first half by their offensive line, it's really easy to throw the ball, uh, especially on play actions. And, you know, some of the big plays he made, some of the throws that he made were behind the wide receivers. He didn't even lead them correctly. So if our DBs are playing man coverage and they just keep going after the ball, they might get a pick because he's going to throw it behind the receivers, which is awesome for us. So if we can slow down their running game just a little bit, uh, you know, make it second and long, third and long, we're going to win the game. To have Bennett try and beat us is the ultimate formula. He's not going to be able to make all those throws that he needs to make and fit it into the windows of tight man coverage. It just won't happen. So as a defense, get him into third and long, use some different blitzes, because uh, I think their tackles are a little unathletic. Um, they don't seem to get out of their stance very quick. Uh, a lot of times they were turning their hips very fast, and it just opens up the corner for a defensive end or a blitzer to get around and get to Bennett. So if we can get some blitzes, some faster guys on those tackles, like DeAndre Johnson, like Bennett, uh, our own Bennett, I think we'll do very well uh, rushing the quarterback. And then offensively, keep running the ball. Uh, Georgia hasn't gone up against an actually good running team. Uh, so we just keep running the ball. We'll be fine. Keep it consistent. I mean, I see this game going back and forth. We're always close with Georgia to where we're having, you know, 10 play drives. Then they have a 12 play drive. Then 12, then nine play. Like long, long drives. I think the game will go fast because we're running the ball so much um, in a lower scoring game in the 20s-ish, but I do think that we can pull it out. And this is such a huge game to prove that that extension we signed Pruitt to was the right decision that Tennessee is headed in the right direction. 3.30, CBS, time to strap up your chin straps, play some SEC football, and get after it. Thank you all for listening today. If you're not already a subscriber, please do that. Uh, rate us five stars on Apple Pod or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
uh, let me know in the comment section any kind of stuff you want to talk about. Uh, maybe some stuff during the game that you would like for me to break down. And uh, as always, go Vols. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.